Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. If you haven't done so already, I say it all the time, subscribe to the show, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Amazon, Spotify, it's all over the place. But it would be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review on whatever platform you choose. Actually, I don't even know if half those platforms do the reviews like that, so maybe just Apple Podcasts. You can like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. Follow along on Twitter at myfirstsketch. Head to myfirstsketch.com where I'll post anything that we talk about. Any questions, thoughts, recommendations, the email is public. Josh at myfirstsketch.com and I'll get back to you as long as it doesn't go into the spam folder. I gotta admit, I'm a little jealous. Montreal Sketchfest is returning to live stages next month, May 5th through the 14th with acts from all over Canada and the U.S. It's one of the festivals I've wanted to go to for the last couple years. I've heard it's a ton of fun, and I wish I was going to be there. A lot of the friends of the podcast are performing, like Milwaukee, Unstoppable Failure, Cam Wiley, Marvin Berry, Joy Provision, and so many other fun acts. You can check it all out at MontrealSketchFest.com. So for the next few weeks, I'll be highlighting some of the acts heading to Montreal next month. So let me tell you about today's guest. Originally, I reached out to Mark Hallworth in 2019 to record an episode either before Toronto Sketch Fest that year or Philly Sketch Fest that year because he was theoretically going to perform in both. And this is before I used Zoom and there was another program that I used and it just didn't work for us. We had technical issues, so we canceled the record and said we'd try it again later. Fast forward a year, I go to Toronto Sketch Fest to see some shows and Mark is hosting and emceeing probably about like half of the shows I see fast forward another few months we're in lockdown and Mark starts coming to our sketchybator shows and working on new material and it's so fun he's like the material he's bringing is really great so three years later than I first intended today's guest is Mark Hallworth currently a member of Vest of Friends and a stand-up comedian based in Toronto Ontario Canada Mark's first sketch is called Random Ransom. Mark doesn't remember this sketch at all. He sent it to me in 2019 when we were first supposed to record. And yeah, he has no clue where it's from. Mark reads the role of the voice on the phone. I read the mother and I'll give you whatever visual information you need to know. So let's go to the sketch. Open in on a mother in her kitchen, uh, getting ready for her son. The phone rings. She picks it up. Hello? I've got him. I've got your son. Pardon me? If you ever want to see your boy again, leave $100,000 in a briefcase under the phone booth at Earlton Station. You've got my Benjamin? That's right. It's going to take $100,000 to get him back. For fifty grand, i will give you his legs. But he he was just playing outside. I'm expecting him back any minute now. I made lemonade. Well, you better put that lemonade back in the fridge because unless I get my money, you're never going to see your blonde-haired boy again. Oh, no. Wait, blonde-haired? Uh, but my Benjamin has brown hair. Uh, what? Brown hair? Um, one moment, please. There's a moment as he checks the kid's hair color. During the pause, the mother goes to the window and checks outside. The voice comes back to the mother. Uh, no, this kid's hair is clearly blonde. 
Yeah, and I should tell you, my son is playing outside. He's in our backyard right now. But isn't this 416-247-1196? Yeah, you got the right number. And Benjamin is my son's name. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I'm pretty sure you have the wrong child. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, God, silly me. Well, this is a doozy, huh? <laughs> you know, let's try to figure this out. Did your kid say his name is Benjamin? Well, no, he's kind of unconscious, right? Oh, now everyone knows you're not supposed to chloroform the kid until you have their, all the required information. Oh, come on. I, yeah, yeah, I guess I just assumed. Yeah, you're right. That's the oldest rule in the book. <laughs> Where did you nab the kid? Over at Silver Hill Park. Are you sure this isn't your kid? Come on. I'm sure. I live in Scenic <sighs> Acres. I've been thinking about moving to Silver Hill, though. It's a nice area. Yeah, you should. It's beautiful. And now's the time to do it. Property value in that area is going to skyrocket. Nice houses, lots of nice parks for the kids to play in. Yeah, and this old place is falling apart. You know, tell you what, hey, let me give you the name of my realtor. He obviously knows more than I do. Um, yeah, yeah, Julian Kinnear. He'll help you. Good guy. <laughs> oh, thanks for that. That's yeah. so nice of you. Let me get let me just get this down. Yeah. But anyways, back to the subject at hand. Yeah. How did you even get this number? Oh, well, there was these two kids, and I just read it off of one of their lunch boxes. And one of the kids laughed. I, I don't know. I just swiped the other one. I figured. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Right? Jeez, watch what a pickle, huh? Right? I, I'm just trying to resolve this little misunderstanding. I'm sorry. Well, you said that the, the kid you got is blonde? Yeah, like David Spade blonde. Oh, I know the kid you're talking about. His name is Jeremy. He's my son's friend. Hold on. Oh, you, you think you know this kid? Oh, my God. That'd be such a relief. I, I wouldn't have known what to do with him. I, I, this is the first time a situation like this has ever happened to me. I swear. I can only imagine. This would be so confusing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so his name is Brett Furlong, and his phone number is 647-282-7447. Okay. <sighs> his mother's name is Diane. Oh, thank you so, so much. Yes, that helps. Ugh. All right, then. Can I help you with anything else today? Uh, no, no, thank you. You've been a great help. Thanks again. Uh, no trouble at all. I'm, I'm glad we straightened it all out. Better luck next time. Goodbye. Bye. Uh, what a nice man. Where there's lightning, there's thunder. Where there's trouble, there's thunder. Meet Donder. I'm Donder. A.K.A. Jeff. Maybe we can work together someday. That would be a dream come true. Jeff wants to be a superhero. You got a pen? Uh, uh, yeah, in my fanny pack. But he's not very super. Hey, he has one chance to prove himself. My name is Candace. I'm with Nondescript. That's the biggest super agency in the city. But will that be enough? What if I'm not very good at picking teammates? Here's the plan. I punch him. Then I punch him. I'll pull off his penis punch. and punch, punch him in the balls with it! When we put so much into becoming someone we never become, we forget one important thing. I, I, I've been chasing one thing for so long, I, I don't even know who I am without it. We never stop becoming. Listen to Tights on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher. Are you a fan of sketch comedy like Monty Python, Key & Peele, and Saturday Night Live? Have you ever wondered why their sketches are funny? Or maybe why that certain sketch didn't make you laugh? On the comedy podcast Sketch Nerds, we aim to answer those questions 
while having fun talking about the history and craft of sketch comedy. Every episode features a guest to help us break down our favorite sketches, as well as those submitted by listeners like you. So come nerd out with us and listen to Sketch Nerds at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. Hey, Mark. Hey, buddy. So uh, tell me about this sketch. Tell me about this random ransom. I don't remember this at all, but this is a very <laughs> neat sketch. <laughs> I can imagine coming up with this, you know, 14 years ago. Or something. Yeah, it does it. feel like your work. Uh, I'll say this. <laughs> we were supposed to record this. Episode. We were supposed to record like about three years ago. Yeah. And we had an issue with technical issues and we just never got back to it. So I still had the sketch from three years ago, like saved for you. That's so funny. And now we're writing I, it. I wasn't going to pitch this one necessarily. I Because uh, you were talking about early sketch or something. And I was going to pitch another one that isn't really a two-hander. It's just one. It's like a monologue. And uh, you guys don't have Tim Hortons. Do you have Tim Hortons in Pennsylvania? Uh, not in Pennsylvania, but they have start creeping into the states. Yeah. Right. Big coffee chain or whatever. And in 2006 in Canada, Tim Hortons like blew up. I don't know what I think there was like. There was accusations that there was nicotine in it and stuff. It was like so popular. Oh, wow. All of a sudden, the coffee got so crazy. Because when I was a kid, it was just a donut shop. But then it got so popular as a coffee place. And um, and this is starting at Tim Hortons, you can get paid $18 an hour. Because um, it was like in such crazy demand. We're trying to think of what that would be in American. It's like seven. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's about... This is a while ago, too. It was 2006. So I'm trying to think of what that would have been. So that's a, like, I mean, yeah, 2006, that's a pretty solid price for... For minimum wage or whatever. Yeah. You know, like it's just a coffee shop An Entry-level, we'll say it that way. Like, <laughs> yeah, entry-level job. And so I wrote a thing called Tim Horton Hears a Who. <laughs> and uh, it was like this Susical story about a poor guy. Because another a thing is, it was like the people working at Tim Hortons, unfortunately, were people who like kind of barely spoke english and they didn't really know what was going on yeah. and they're thrown in and there's all these crazy terms of you know these little donuts called tim bits and double double coffees and whatever like none of them are real words and um so quite often unfortunately you would go to tim hortons and and the poor guy behind the counter would have like no idea what you're saying and they because they were just hiring people so damn fast and everybody was so under trained unfortunately and like so i wrote this like story about some poor guy who's trying to keep up with the language he doesn't understand and it's all susical and um yeah i thought but that wasn't really a two-hander that wasn't fun to do together so i'm glad we did this other one instead you say that tim horton's one it was like 2006 you wrote it well that i i really wrote it in like 2009 when i finally moved okay. to toronto but i remember yeah. coming up with the idea at a tim's at, at one point in the thing the guy's misinterpreting stuff he doesn't really know what the customer's saying so he turns and he just presses random buttons on the cash which i don't know if you've ever done as a cashier or just like trying to not make eye contact um, oh, I, I've pretended to. I don't think I've ever sure <laughs> yeah. hit random buttons because I was always terrified that I would hit something weird and like oh, yeah. go off. Yeah, your cash <laughs> out is like two thousand dollars less all the right. time. There's no crazy thing. But I, I remember in 2006, yeah, being at a Tim Hortons and the guy clearly not knowing what I was saying and then turning to the cash and just like gesturing towards buttons. <laughs> so that's now I, I remember like piecing together this thing and then finally getting to write it in 2009 when I finally started to actually do sketch comedy. So with uh, and then back to the the random ransom, you, you have no memory of it. 
I have no memory of this. I, I'm trying to think of other ransom-based... Hold on, let me pull out an old... Because <laughs> I'm sure I have other ransom-based sketches. Do you think that you would have written this, like, in your best of friends time, or...? It feels too early, I think. Doesn't it, is there a date on it? Let me check. I don't remember. I don't think so. It feels like something I would have pitched to Vesta Friends, yeah, back in 2009. <laughs> um, let's figure out random ransom. Um, what was the other thing I just said about... Oh, yeah, I kind of want to look up other ransom-based sketches. <laughs> this isn't even in here for all scripts. Yeah, it would have been before Vesta Friends, I guess. Wow. But let's see. Yellow. Oh, what is this one about? Yeah, there's another one I wrote in 2019. I guess uh, talking to you reminded me of how funny ransoms are. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is this thing about? Yellow. I, th I think it's about a guy. Yeah, this one. This one's about a guy where the, the ransom caller is all is trying to be all serious and the guy picks up and he's like yellow <laughs> he's very <laughs> cheerful and stuff and the guy's like i have your son and he's like oh that's a pickle ain't it <laughs> isn't it like, funny okay. how like I, I guess i guess every writer would have some kind of like thing to go back to you mentioned like writing multiple ransom sketches like <laughs> yeah right. i have a weird session with cults and religions cult? and like oh yeah. yeah 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 i don't think we have one cult thing with best of friends that was a lot of fun uh, it was like a town hall sketch kind of about a, a cult leader who clearly is like, he doesn't want to drink the Kool-Aid at the end of it or whatever. <laughs> he's like trying to get out of, he's like, I'm sorry that I'm not going to advance to the new earth with you guys on Friday. And we're like, oh, you can come. And then it's like, oh, I got a house sit. And oh, never mind. They're like, there's, they keep like solving the problems that are going to take him away from the <laughs> clear murder in the end. All right. Uh, so let's go back to the beginning. What were you into growing up? What made you laugh? As a kid? Yeah. Oh, great question. Oh, uh, weird. Um, well, I kind of loved, I think this is common amongst a lot of comedians that you weren't necessarily the class clown, but you hung out with a class clown mm -hmm. <laughs> who was like insane. And anyway, my class clown was this guy who was easily like the most impulsive, rude person I've ever met in my life. I guess rudeness made me laugh. It was so crazy. You know, when you slap a book, in a, you know, when you close a book and it goes like thwap. Yeah. Um, one time, uh, this guy, like a, a teacher, was like right in his face about recess or something like that. It was a substitute teacher that didn't know that recess was coming. Uh, she went, "What do you think that life is going to be one big recess?" And then the recess bell went off, and she was <laughs> leaning forward, and this guy had his big old math textbook and went whoop, like right at her nose, and her hair blew back <laughs> and stuff. It was so funny. Another time, yeah, he belched in a teacher's face, and her hair blew back. Anytime. Anytime anyone's hair blows back is very funny. <laughs> he was so rude and so insane. Like, so, but he was and so impulsive. He would just like run and like, I remember it was, we were playing, um, what uh, you guys have that game red ass or something where you throw a tennis ball against a wall. And then it's a pretty cheap game. <laughs> very Canadian. Uh, you throw a tennis ball against, there's like a bunch of you, you, all you have is a tennis ball. And you're like, if you drop the ball, you have to run and grab you, the wall yeah. before you get, I, yeah. yeah, I think we yeah, called it like suicide or something. Suicide. Yeah. There's a million games. So this wall yeah. ball, a million names. And, um, he chucked it, fumbled it or whatever. And he ran and then he stepped right on an apple core and slid. And it was like the funniest looking slide. <laughs> like it was just so <laughs> frantic, everything about this guy. And like his choices were always insane. 
uh jump there's like doing construction around our school one time he just left on the back of a of the construction truck as it was driving it was like so dangerous and so crazy um that made me laugh a lot that guy was extremely funny and then he went to rehab so <laughs> so hopefully he's better yeah i think he's all right now um but yeah that made me laugh a lot i basically my house growing up my parents house it was all um seinfeld and simpsons and then a and then a little bit of snl um because my oldest brother was really into music and so when he when he liked the musical act he would he would tape snl growing up in a very christian home and like listening to mostly christian rock for like most of my teen years like Mm -hmm. snl was my music like discovery of new stuff like Mm -hmm. i think one of the first cds i bought was uh ben folds fives whatever (laughs) never amen because he played brick yeah on snl which i did not know what brick was about until i was in college (laughs) like fully i thought it was just like a sad couple on christmas morning right didn't realize it was about him buying her an abortion like (laughs) yep it is pretty heavy it's a good song though it's a good song sad song like yeah very much it's uh one of those things i uh whenever i'm like well back in the day in my 20s like when i was going to bars more often like if i ever hated where i was i would just wreak havoc on the touch tunes and the, and the jukebox like if i could find something that plays any song i want like as i'm leaving you're going to get the saddest songs possible oh my god really so, like what? i would i like if i hated where i was go where i was and i was about to leave i would put on like brick yeah streets of philadelphia so by springsteen like yeah hurt hurt by, <laughs> yeah. I, I would even do the johnny cash version i think that one's even sadder like yeah. uh yeah if i it was just a total like screw you to everyone that was still yeah. there it's um, the musical equivalent of farting and leaving the room yeah yeah <laughs> right that's so funny seinfeld and simpsons and a little snl so nothing like canadian like no i don't think so well my i'm from belgium uh I mean, originally European like, parents yeah i got also my mom's from belgium my dad's from england yeah and I'm, we grew up in canada so but, but you were were you born there or yeah from what i can gather i was i was born there uh my brothers were not my i have two older brothers and so we were over there it's like yeah, this is a long story Interesting. But, okay wow yeah so but then it's like it's not like my no, there it wasn't like Kim Mitchell was playing in my so, house. Or, it yeah. was okay. So there's no real like Canadian pride. Well, yeah, there's certainly way, like... zero Canadian pride growing up in my parents' <laughs> house. Yeah, for sure. Actually, it was all Belgian stuff. I'm trying to think of even though. So like Monty Python wasn't lost on me. There was a lot of Monty Python, I guess. Faulty Towers, I knew like everything mm. about. Um, which I again was extremely funny. Another another kind of rude person. Yeah, uh, Basil Faulty or whatever. Yeah, that's hilarious stuff. And so. And I, I, I think that's probably, but, but it was, you know, my Canadian buddies seem to know a lot about Monty Python, but I think Canada was a little more um, exposed to it than America. I think so too. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I keep getting the impression that uh, Canadian TV had way more British options than yeah. American did. I can At totally least, believe that. You know, as we were growing up. And I'm trying um, to think of it because, because Rowan Atkinson did a lot of sketch too. So mm-hmm. I I love when, when I found those like, boston theater shows from 1985 i think that rowan atkinson did i think it's 1985 yeah because um, the, the the british stuff that we got at you know at least that i remember it felt all stuffy and old like it was like old ladies like yeah that judy dench sitcom with her late <laughs> husband like i don't know so that. then mr bean started airing like it was a revelation yeah. like oh yeah. 
they actually make stuff for for young people yeah. like funny stuff I, I ask everybody uh because it's a sketch county podcast Saturday Night Live is like the juggernaut do you have sure. a favorite snl cast member all time i think uh that's a great question i i thought the first person that comes to mind is farley okay um because it's just uh, i don't know it's really camera captivating i don't know it's hard not to look at farley and his yeah. choices are crazy did you know that last one that they do the last sketch where they're all getting eaten by a bear they're, like they they're jumping into the, jumping the, into the, the it, yeah his jump is funny in a unique way. It's so strange. He doesn't fall like the rest of them do. He like stumbles <laughs> down. It's so weird. I don't know these choices that he's making. I don't know how he does it. There's another great thing that he does when he's in a mall. And it's like, it, this is, it dates horribly because this is just kind of verbally abusing people. It's like, it had to pick up chicks in the mall. And it's like a video, mm. um, a how-to video. And he has like an ice cream in his hand and he falls on it and like, just nobody fell that strangely man he falls it with his like chest on it. it he falls like chest first onto an ice cream and it like explodes out and the spoon goes flying it's so crazy um i'm jealous of all that stuff i don't know how so yeah farley's the first person that comes to mind on that i started watching so i found out about the humber college comedy program in okay. like yeah. 2006 maybe when i was still living in calgary and then at that point, this is like the first, that's kind of what I realized about like comedy versus drama class or whatever. I was like, oh, this whole thing, I, I thought I wanted to do theater, but I really do want to do comedy. That, that's all it ever was. And um, so then I'm like, well, what can I do in Calgary? There was no sketch comedy scene, but I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to watch SNL now every single week. Yeah. And it sucks that in the West or whatever, in Alberta, it starts at 1230 and ends at two. It's not 1130 to one. It's so like, they time delay it that much? Yeah. Like, yeah. Wow. An hour. So it's exhausting to stay until that last sketch. And all the commercials and everything are like, okay. But, but um, another person that stood out a lot, especially in that window, was uh, Amy Poehler. Yeah. Um, I thought Amy Poehler was fantastic. Because I know Billy Crystal was like this too. But Amy Poehler sounds like moral because she would be in like literally t- 10 out of the 12 sketches and segments and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, there was a few Weekend years Update. where she was constantly, like she was clearly yeah. the star of the show. Like, yeah. Including Weekend Update too. I remember that was so crazy that she has to get into that like desk mode or whatever, and then pitch all those jokes. And then, then she, when she has that character, Caitlin or whatever, I remember that she like transitions right into that. And then she was like all over the show. I couldn't believe how hard she must've been working. It's, it's wild some yeah like, it's so wild thinking about like how they rely on so many people like well they rely on certain people so much and then in certain casts like you don't see certain people for weeks yeah like well yeah people have their specialties another another super important name i don't know how often people mention daryl hammond i loved daryl hammond and uh in that era especially he would he would come in, he would do impressions in such a weird way where it's like, like, you know, Will Ferrell's Trebek impression has, is funny, but it has zero Trebek. It, it's not it. Trebek at yeah, all. Yeah, it's not Trebek at all. <laughs> there was a lot of his things like that. Chevy Chase's impressions were like that too, that are zero research. And he made no effort to look like Gerald Ford or anything. But Daryl Hammond, I noticed, would be like, literally like 90% impression yeah. and then 10% hilarious. But that yeah. 10% was like the perfect 10%. Like he like the thing he's exaggerating is like right, the one yeah. thing he needs to. It's so interesting. Where where Dana Carvey, like Dana right. Carvey's George Bush, uh 
uh, Farrell's W. Bush. Like, right. it's 90% the comedy part and 10, yeah. a little, you know. Or maybe maybe even like 50-50. Like, yeah, he's got the voice or whatever, and but it is like super exaggerated. But yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't believe how good Daryl Hammond was. And I guess that's how he looked at it apparently apparently he would like sit in a room and just yeah. watch don imus for like hours and hours and at a time or whatever <laughs> oh that sounds awful yeah it <laughs> sounds like such a bad but, the, but then figure out like the one thing about don imus that is super funny and then exaggerate that like crazy yeah, because I, think real... I, I heard an interview with daryl hammond where he was like i didn't get clinton until i can't remember if he said it was the, the thumb or the lip bite like yeah, yeah. there's some little detail that was like oh there we go like yeah, the one thing that, about Clinton that opens that was the door for it completely. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, so okay, so you mentioned growing up in Calgary. Yeah, which for your listeners there is like the Houston of Canada. Houston, you you'd call it Houston, I guess, or the Dallas <laughs> of Canada. I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned that there's no comedy, and you wanted to, like theater. So were you doing like amateur dramatics and like yeah. like theater in high school and stuff? Yeah, between like 99 and 2006, I was doing community theater. I, I couldn't do it in high school, unfortunately. I, um, I, was a, I was in band class and you can only be in one of them. Oh, <laughs> for us, it was you had to be, it was either if you were in band, you couldn't be in choir. So, oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I wonder, no, I certainly wasn't in choir. I, I, didn't, I didn't have any interest in choir. But um, I was bummed out that I, 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 I don't know. In retrospect, it's all fine because I had a yeah. good time playing drums and band and whatever. It was fun. And then I think academically, the drama department of my school wasn't great anyway. So who cares? Yeah. I, I was doing community theater and I was having a great time doing it. Was there like a favorite role or something that you that you did in that time? Uh, I think a, a huge one I got to play. There's a lot of like musicals and stuff, Roger Hammerstein and stuff. And a really interesting one. At the time was the miracle worker. Do you know that story? The, the Helen, um, Keller, Helen Keller. Yeah. Yeah. She's got a half brother or something or a stepbrother named James Keller, who, it, you know, it was kind of exactly me at the time, 16 years old, <laughs> doesn't get along with his folks, <laughs> has, has weird teenage angsty frustrations or whatever. I remember really being like this. I like this guy. <laughs> and he was also, and this is what I always wanted in every role. And this is before I figured out I wanted to do comedy at all. He was the funniest character. And, yeah. and to me, therefore, the most interesting. Did um, you ever get in trouble, like, of, of doing those times before you realized that comedy was the key, was, like, of making, a, like, trying to make a character funnier? No, well, no, I think other people knew it before I did. They okay. cast me on all these weird things. There's so you always of, got the, you always went to yeah. that route, like... Okay. And I think directors were like, well, obviously Mark's going to play this guy because <laughs> I don't yeah. know, like he's not going to take anything else seriously, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. Like, <laughs> like um, do you know South Pacific at all? This is a Rogers well, no. play. There's a guy in South Pacific. What I like about it too, is that it's, it's always a character that is like um, just important enough to the story that the story doesn't make any sense without them. Right. <laughs> like in Romeo and Juliet or whatever. Yeah, whatever. No, the leading man. Who gives a shit about Romeo? Mercutio is interesting. <laughs> Mercutio rules. First of all, everybody likes him, even though he's a Montague. He, he, he seems to get along with Capulets. And when he dies, everybody's sad. It's crazy. Yeah. And he's making jokes as he's dying. That's sick. <laughs> in, in South Pacific, there's a character named Luther Billis that I got to play. And he's like some maniac who, who he doesn't seem to like. He's like always doing like side hustle projects and stuff like that. And he does like save the main character indirectly by like jumping out of a plane like a lunatic or some crazy thing. Yeah, 
I loved those kinds of characters. That was always the best. So, uh, and then you mentioned, uh, did you go to Humber then? Yeah, so I went to Humber College. Uh, so I found out about it. Just the existence of the program um, made, like opened all the doors in my brain about comedy. And oh my God, it's been comedy the whole time. And it gave me kind of focus. I was studying engineering at the time. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll finish my engineering degree in Calgary and then work as an engineer and save up to go to this other school. So you did that? Yeah, that's what I did. And then September of 09, I moved to Toronto and I did the two years of Humber College and I loved it. So, so you I'm, have a you have a full degree in engineering. Yeah, geomatics engineering, Bachelor of Science 2008. <laughs> and then you decide, like, that's one of those things, like, I remember being younger, uh, there was this weird push, and I don't know if it's, weird's not the right word, but, like, there's a push that, like, oh, if you want to study law or, or even, like, become a doctor do engineering because they teach you how to like solve problems like, okay that's fucked. That, that was yeah. like someone's <laughs> like some um uh guidance counselor saying was like engineering will help you solve problems and like that's so funny so We're not wrong but it feels unnecessary yes that's 100 <laughs> like, percent unnecessary that would be such a like you really like, go through hell to get to the other end of that that's wild <laughs> I do. Um, I do think very engineery and categorically, and you know. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Like, yeah. does that engineering background help or hinder your comedy writing? It helps out a hundred percent. Well, not necessarily writing, but certainly organization of jokes and um, and basically a huge thing is as soon as I got to Toronto, it was my my hatred of engineering is like inspired my work ethic in comedy. Right. So you know what I mean. Thank so, God I'm not there anymore. I'm you, so you spent all that time. You spent all that time getting the the back the the backup job, but yeah. your hatred of it, yeah, pushes you yeah. to make sure you don't fail. Yeah, to need it. Yeah, springboarded me. That's how I think of that. And then <laughs> as soon as I moved to Toronto, I hit the ground running right away. You know, you're you know stand up as well. You're doing a show for four people or this big list or whatever it's like the shittiest thing but it's better than engineering buddy are you kidding me <laughs> i'd much rather be here than be an engineering right now and i went to college uh, i went to humber college with a bunch of you know 17 year old 18 year olds that were just out of high school they didn't really know and i was like i know exactly that i want to be right here i don't want to be <laughs> anywhere else because you're probably like the fifth or sixth person i've talked to that's on humber and i've and to right. everyone i've mentioned how jealous i am yeah because if i knew that there was a like a, a comedy program in a college yeah at that time i would have started that well, way like, yeah. i think eventually i found out that there was one in boston relatively recently new like cool. at emerson and i'm jealous of them too like <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, so, it, it focused me so much and it gave me so much like hope and like when I was in engineering, like struggling through these crazy assignments and stuff. And every now and again, I'd be, it was a little place called the micro lab. It was like this computer lab where we were doing, you know, you could do testing and stuff and mm -hmm. software or whatever. And I'm trying to programming languages and stuff and um, these programs to learn how to program in C++ or whatever. Um, sometimes I would just like need a break. I'd be so stressed about whatever shitty assignment. And then I'd pull up the old Humber College website and, <laughs> and then look at photos of yuck yucks amateur night or whatever. And I'd be like, this is going to be awesome. I, okay. <laughs> Oof. It like gave me focus and direction and hope. <laughs> and so, it really saved me. So you're, you're, it's so wild to think that like you went to college for engineering and but your finish line wasn't engineering it was to go to like 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Hey man, I, I hate to tell you, and that's an embarrassing thing. This, this is bad. I don't like this. <laughs> Literally everybody I went to engineering with didn't seem to want to be there. <laughs> right. It seems like it's one of those like things that you study because it's so practical. Like, exactly. That's a noble profession. You know noble I mean? profession. Mm-hmm. You know, generally, oh, you're guaranteed you know, a good paycheck. Like, yeah, exactly. You get a good job. Get a, but growing up in, and I don't really know what where you grew up, but my whole upbringing was that kind of thing. Get a good job. Yeah, we're, we're get good grades so that you can go to university and get a good job. And and by the way, which is insane, like not even college. It's got to be specifically university. Can't have any practical <laughs> elements to it at all. And so, you know, God forbid I went to college instead of the university or whatever. And it would have been an embarrassment to the old Hallworth name. That's how it felt growing up. Yeah. That if you went to college instead of university, you were a complete failure, <laughs> which is so, insane. So up there in Canada, college is like the more technical stuff, like I learning a so. trade. Yeah, I would imagine. So okay. I think, I don't know. I, uh, you know, I, you're so tunneled and, and and like focused in a way. I don't know. It would have been so crazy to break the mold and think like a different person you're a kid you're just rolling along you're 15 you're like i guess this is what i should be doing with my life even so, younger than that you're like 12 you're like oh buddy i gotta start thinking about oh, university oh i remember like being 12 years old at like like a church dinner and some old person's like oh so what do you want to do with your life i was like <laughs> i'm 12 <laughs> I, like whatever answer i give you is not gonna be satisfactory to you so yeah. like and it's all. not going to be my future so who it's, cares yeah, like, hopefully not also it's so funny that it's like you are 12 you should be able to dictate your own life however <laughs> we're not going to let you vote or do anything it's like we don't tr- we don't listen to 12 year olds why should they listen to themselves <laughs> oh that's insane um okay so after university i'm going to say university to yeah because i would you know down here we would say after college you went to this so after sure. after university you go to humber yeah, I worked as an engineer every summer in between because it was a four-year degree. Um, and then in May of 08, I got a I got a you know office job, which was insane, making God knows how much money and like way more than I deserved <laughs> doing no work. And it was in May of 2008 too. So I don't know if you remember the economy was there's a lot of tank, yeah. starting to tank, man. A lot of oil pipelines, especially because that's what Alberta was. Um, a lot of weird projects are getting canceled or stopping and slowing down. And, but I'm still there in my cubicle making thousands of dollars a week or right? and, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm putting it all towards Humber. That's the whole point of this job. And then in May of 2009, I get laid off because, and so, and then I got an acting job, um, from March of, sorry, March of 2009, March, 2009 to September, 2009, I got to act um and be a professional actor for the last little stint of my time in calgary doing what doing and how insane is this okay like working at like a pioneer village kind of place <laughs> okay so it like a, a live yeah i okay. think so it's called heritage park in calgary it's the best i don't think i've talked about this yet on any podcast this is right, awesome. let's get into it yeah man so the heritage park you know there's like the building itself there's like the blacksmith shop or whatever and you see the blacksmith working away and he's in there all day and then you go on over to the bakery and you see how they make the bread in the olden days or whatever. Um, Heritage Park also has these bonus actors um, that do street theater thing. As you're walking from the blacksmith to the bakery, a guy shows up and some woman shows up in 1910 garb and is like, my father wants me to get married. And then the father shows up and was like, bah, 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 bah. and they do this whole scene. 
And then they're like, come to the church at high noon to see what happens next. And they zip around. And so I got to do that for the summer of 2009 and 2010. And it was wicked. Terrific job. Really? Oh, it was so fun. There's a lot of improv and a lot of street theater, right? So there's a lot of cool dynamics, too, of like there's no downstage. There's no, you know, the audience could be all over the place. The guy I was working for was kind of nuts and had like, he loves doing sword fights and all these crazy things. So we had all these like insane fights. I remember he built this huge thing. It was, you know, the play was about refrigerization. And um, so he, he's all, got all these like wild, ambitious dreams and stuff. And and so he had this big machine that you can crawl into and it makes smoke like ice. I don't know, frozen ice or whatever that goes. What am I talking? Dry ice, dry ice. Mm. So steam is coming out of everything. And it, like it was the craziest show of all time. And of course, it's outside. So it's subject to the weather. And so we're having like a sword fight and then lightning is blasting or it was like the craziest four months of my life. I don't think like I've certainly grown to appreciate that kind of stuff, but I don't think I've ever been interested in those kinds of things like like performing in it or watching it or what do you mean? Watching it, like going to it. Mm. It doesn't seem like a fun vacation to me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, do you mean a Pioneer Village at all or this particular show? Well, how you're how you're describing it, I'm picturing like down here in the States, we like uh, one of the big vacation destinations, uh, if you want that historical event, is Williamsburg, Virginia. Yeah, right. And I feel like they have that kind of same thing. And I know my parents went there like a ton of times before I was born. Yeah. And then never after I was born. <laughs> you didn't <laughs> like, go there on like field trips or whatever? Or I don't no, know. because here in Philadelphia, we have enough historical stuff. That, right. Like, That's true. Um, Where like art, for me growing up, it was like, you know, the historical stuff in Philadelphia and then, like, the, the big giant one would have been, like, the Statue of Liberty in New York. Yeah. Like, that would have been our big. And then I think in middle school, it became Gettysburg. Because right. what sounds like a fun field trip than a giant <laughs> battlefield that millions of people died at. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it shaped everything, yeah. Um, no, these places are great. I don't know. I was, Heritage Park is a blast. Yeah, because um, now, like, in the in comedy world, I've got a bunch of friends and, and buddies that, work for the ren fairs have worked for ren fairs mm. and they all love it so like yeah. I, yeah, I learn things it's kind of fun uh it, another thing too is that it was kind of like a stable paycheck for four months or five months you was this every hat. day or was this just the weekends no it was every day I, like well you had you worked five days a week and whatever right. capacity you did i think I, I had like mondays and tuesdays off um where they did different plays that was another thing too is super dynamic you have a different play every day of the week wow like, yeah and then I started, when I moved to Toronto, I started writing them and punching them up and stuff. And now these days I go back to Calgary and I direct them, which oh, is super fun. So you're yeah. still like involved with it. Oh like... yeah, I'm still in correspondence with them. I, I wasn't able to do it over the pandemic. Right, obviously. I'm going back to direct some play down oh, at Harris Park. That? That's going to be a blast. I can't wait. I got to do it in 2019. It was like an absolute vacation. I love that kind of, like, this is what I, I love every element of comedy with a sketch and stand up and improv and directing and writing and all. I love it all, man. It's so great. Unless you're a fucking mime, get at it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I just thought I'd say. Um, no, I think it's really interesting to direct it because you kind of notice, and, and you're injecting a thousand jokes and stuff, and trying to make it as funny as you can. And that's one place where I guess maybe it's like, hey, Mark, I don't, I don't think it needs this many jokes when the when the guy's being hung or whatever. Like, I don't. Know. <laughs> they don't do public hangings, but that's a case where you got to back away from jokes. That's, that's wild. That's awesome. Um, all right. So at Humber. Right. 
you have a, a fairly well, from what I understand, a fairly well um, diverse thing of, of comedy, of, of learning sketch comedy, of learning improv, of learning stand-up. What was the first major thing? Do you yeah. like, do you step more into the sketch world or the stand-up world first? Uh, I think I probably stood into the stand-up world and improv worlds first, I think, because it was uh what you could do so i was able to book things from calgary um before even going i, I landed ooh, august 29th 2009 i think is when i moved to toronto and i had a show september f- uh, 1st <laughs> wow. and i was able to book from calgary a stand-up show and it was in some basement so of were you doing stand-up bar. in calgary so in calgary yeah i was able okay. to i was desperate to be like okay what can i do while i wait while i'm studying engineering um while i wait for september of 2009 and the and the stand-up community was pretty cool and the improv community was incredible because that's where keith johnstone lives um do you know anything about keith johnstone these improv gurus i I feel like one of the edmonton people i know have talked about keith johnstone in past yeah 1977 i think uh keith johnstone was the artistic director of this uh, improv troupe called loose moose and um that's apparently where they invented the life game um word at a time uh, okay. number of words scenes and these guys speak in one voice these kinds of games a lot of the a lot of the games um are from that theater in 1978 okay, with guys like dave duncan and dennis cahill and stuff and um and they are still like hysterical and, and so from 2006 to 2009 i got to work with I did. I got to do a ton of improv with really, really uh, insightful people, <laughs> and I learned a lot. And I was man. The, my problem is that in stand up too, and sketch as well. Like I'm such a slow learner. <laughs> <laughs> it takes me like three shows to to get what everyone else got in one. You know what I mean? So yeah. I was just cool to watch. And another cool thing about that troupe as well is that it's a it's a crew of people that you work with every Friday, right? You do the show. And then you can talk about it afterwards to go, oh, yeah, okay, so let's go through the show. We did 10 scenes. Okay, the first one was about walnuts. Uh, that was kind of weird. We had too many people on stage at one point. Or, like, you can actually dissect these things and learn. Whereas now, it's like you do some random jam, and then everybody pats your back and says, good set. And you're like, really? Because we, the crowd hated it. <laughs> I, I think that's because I've made no bones. I feel like um, improv generally doesn't, reach a, the potential it can like right where, where i'm thinking it's more it. like where it's more like what you're talking about like when you work in a group and you're breaking down each set like yeah. each scene like i would love for an improv troupe because and for a while it didn't happen here in philadelphia like all the improv was just improv for improv's sake we just hung out on stage yeah. for 20 minutes i i would love an improv group to film their shows and then refine a certain piece of it to be a sketch like yeah like i would love it love it they I don't, don't know do if, it. They, if it needs to end up being a sketch. I don't really care to see it again, necessarily. I think that's probably the why it was entertaining to begin with, is that it wasn't a sketch. Or even, like, but yeah, to learn, continue to play with those ideas. Continue, yeah. continue to, like, play in the worlds that you're, you're creating. Like, as great as the spontaneous nature of it is, I always feel that there can be more to explore sometimes. Like, and I wouldn't mind. Yeah, yeah. Like, the same world to happen. Like, yeah. So the oh, idea I that your your that troop was breaking stuff down after the show to you know to how to fix it, how to make it better, yeah. like that that's intriguing to me. Oh, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was such a good um, and like a moral of getting better. Let's get better. <laughs> um, 
And that guy, because, uh, you know, I'm sure you've seen a thousand stand-ups. I see it all the time in stand-up, too. People go up, eat a dick, and then not think at all about <laughs> why. And then do go up the next night and do exactly the same act or the exact same mistakes. And, and because... Because they don't care. They don't get to learn. They don't want to get better. And maybe because of their ego, they think it's all the audience's fault. The audience doesn't yeah. get it. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's that anyways. You're like, okay. <laughs> I'm too smart for these guys. Like, yeah. I lost them. They just couldn't keep up. They couldn't handle me. You're like, okay. Um, but so when I moved to Toronto, though, I was super interested in me in doing sketch. And the literally probably like one of the first people I met, actually the first day of school, was Morgan George um one of the members of another another guy in best of friends yeah and he adored sketch and he was all about it and he was like that's all he he kind of really went to humber with the uh, hope to continue doing more sketch Mm. and so uh, i loved working with him he was super entertaining and super funny right away he introduced me to evan richardson uh, gradually was another guy in best of friends we met reed in that first year too and reed was really quiet but then he kind of came out of his shell in second year at the end of first year he kind of came out of his shell i did get to do a bunch of sketch uh and i loved it i really enjoyed doing sketch i thought it was fun and i still uh, do yeah other than your like the people that you met for best of friends was there anyone else in your class at humber that has gone on to like to do fun do, stuff in toronto that might have a bit of a name or like yeah oh a bunch i assume i'm trying to think uh well i just met them i don't know what he's doing specifically i knew he did a bunch of cartoon work i just worked with him yesterday his name's mark edwards he was another guy in our class he um yeah he did a bunch of voice he had an incredible range of like voice actor abilities he was like nice. amazing at it and um yeah commercials and stuff and god knows writing god knows what he's doing um there's another great guy who, who's doing a lot of stand-up named Mark Anthony Synagoga. Um, and he's around headlining God knows what. And uh, <laughs> yeah, a guy, uh, Jordan Foise, I think is still writing for This Hour is 22 Minutes, which is like a Canadian show. Yeah, um, he was in our year for the first year. Um, I always loved watching Jordan's stand-up. And um, I feel like some people are still kind of in film. There's a little woman named Vicky McKinnon who I saw do PA stuff. Hannah Stilwell um, is a costume person that I saw in The Handmaid's Tale last time oh, wow. I was there. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's like... Wait, wait, hold on. You said yeah. last time I worked there? So you've like... Yeah, I did background on The Handmaid's Tale like two weeks ago and it was absolutely <laughs> bananas, but it was great to see <laughs> Hannah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so you talked about meeting up with Evan and uh, Morgan. So let's talk about yeah. Best of Friends. yeah. So, so that, where does where does that defense officially begin? Begin. So um, there was another guy in the, in our class. I, I forgot to mention that I should that named Damian Rudiak. It was another Albertan guy, and um, he he and I met in Res or whatever. We lived like two, two doors down from each other in Res, and then he was also in our class. So um, Morgan and Damian and I started doing goofing around and hanging out and, and thinking about sketch a lot. And then in the summer of two thousand and ten. Uh, Damien and I flew back to Calgary. We lived or to Alberta. We lived and did whatever we were doing over the summer. And then that summer, Morgan and Reed really got to know each other and moved in together. And then Evan had finished college and wasn't going. He hadn't moved out of the house or something. Essentially, all five of us eventually moved into the same house. But before Damien and I officially were actually kind of part of the troupe, um, Morgan and Evan and Reed did a show together under the name Best of Friends. Okay. And then when Damien and I showed it, Damien and I joined it and there was five of us for like a year. 
And then Damien quit comedy and he left Toronto. And then there was just four of us for seven years <laughs> or six years. And uh, it was very fun. I don't know. I always loved working with um, Best of Friends. And it was tough to um, get it uh, like to improve. Yeah, I guess I'm just thinking again about myself of being such a slow learner and kind of needing like, hey, man, can you read this sketch really in detail and tell me what sucks about it? And these guys were all so damn talented that they already knew everything that was wrong with whatever or what direction it's going in. You know what I mean? They'd see this ransom sketch that we did together and be like, too predictable or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? They'd be able to break it down in two seconds. And and th- and I'm sure this ransom thing, this was like my 10th draft of me sweating over it. Oh, God, <laughs> I'm thinking it's the most polished it could possibly be or whatever. And a guy like Evan, man, Evan was such a genius of coming up with first drafts. His first drafts were so not only good, but they were also so easy to punch up and fun to punch up. So oftentimes, a lot of Vesper Friends sketches were just Evan premises and first drafts that were already better than anything I could have come up with. <laughs> and then all of us piling on top of it and adding a thousand things that were super fun to play with. And we just had a lot of fun working together. Earlier in my days, like I, I thought the idea of like, like a comedy house sounded so awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was a bad like a bunch of comedians like even work, working together, like uh, you know, the sketch troupe stayed together, but now in my 30s, I think that sounds awful. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. So how was it for how was it for you all? Like it was good. I liked together. it. Um I the house itself was physically insane. Uh, it was very funny. Um, and like there's like holes in the wall. I was just telling somebody this story, but like there'd be like a hole. Uh, in the wall so that we'd put like a painting over it so you'd you come in there'd be like paintings at knee height and, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all just to cover up holes and weird things happening in the building um creatively it was awesome because uh, you know, i'm sure this is something you experience of like hey i wrote this sketch and then you send an email and then you never hear back because people aren't checking their emails or whatever right. like it was very handy to just go into the next room and be like read this hey yeah read this and put it under reed's face and be like but or to just be literally writing the sketch from my room and scream out the out the door hey reed what would be a funny example of something that somebody does whatever you know what i mean like you you can get the beats right there yeah. One thing I have a problem with too is that you know you're writing a sketch and then you're halfway through and you're like, this could go in a billion different directions and I can't tell which one's the funniest. And it's great to be able to you know shout out my bedroom door like, hey Evan, should I do this or this? Which one's funnier? And he'd be like, oh, you should do this and then this and then it progresses. Or you know, oh, I loved it. Um, so it was very convenient. But I also marvel at the fact that you guys like that Vesta friends stayed together. Right. Because I, I feel like living with your creative collaborators, like maybe outside of like a marriage situation, would yeah. also like breed a bit of contempt. I don't think, I think the only person that had a. Problem... Or maybe I'm, 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 I might be completely be retracting my own personality right. <laughs> with idea. roommates and stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. And that. Uh, like, we all got a line. The, the biggest uh, problem, kind of, was Damien. He just didn't want Damien didn't really want to be a comedian i was a, he was a 17 year old when he flew to or 18 year old i think when he flew to res to begin with to toronto and he was um yeah i think he liked it but he didn't care enough to get better he didn't he didn't like cooperating and stuff too and he just a stubborn guy and nobody is more stubborn than morgan so you're not gonna get it you're not gonna win that <laughs> which is great and then so I'd be out doing stand-up shows and I come home and everyone's quiet in the house because Morgan and Damien had like a 
headbutt in the in the living room. Like, come on, what's going on in this place? <laughs> so, and as soon as Damien left, it was great. <laughs> you mentioned till about uh, 2017. So Vesta friends like well, Reed moved to LA. He had uh, dual citizenship. Okay, and so he moved to LA. Um, the what happened in 2017? We were kind of goofing around in 2017. We had a good time. At one point, Evan. So Evan like kind of switched careers. He went, he went into like sports broadcasting. Okay. And um, which is dope. That's actually like perfect for a guy like Evan. And um, and he moved to Portland for a while. And then uh, there was a long time where Morgan was living in the Philippines at one point for like six months of the year because um, he worked for Virgin Mobile or whatever. Basically, it was kind of a cool thing where when Morgan came back from the Philippines, he was so desperate to perform again. It was awesome. Yeah. And, you know, that was kind of a problem in 2016, 2017 is that people were, again, not responding to emails. It wasn't their big priority. Evan was in school again. I get it. Um, so but... it wasn't that you guys broke up out of like yeah. animosity. It no, was it certainly wasn't an animosity. Careers but... taking different directions and different yeah. locations. And it still is sort of in that vein like we have a show at the end of the month i don't really know who's gonna do it <laughs> like is it just me and morgan or are, are morgan and evan both gonna bail and then like we've all we're also signed up to do montreal sketch fest i'd love to do it it would be our 10th time doing montreal sketch fest wow but i don't know and morgan said he's coming but i don't know if evan's gonna join us and if he does what sketches are we gonna do and whatever but it, so morgan was so hungry for stage time in 2018 2017 that um for a while it was just him and i in toronto and it was kind. It was, it was great and shitty at the same time. That it was great to have somebody right there. That you. It was so easy to have meetings. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just go yeah. to Morgan's house. I'm nomadic. I'm happy to bounce around. I'm happy to put the laptop in front of Morgan's face and be like, read this. And we got a lot of good work done. But it just wasn't as fucking good as it could be because we didn't have that magic of Evan Richardson, who's the funniest goddamn guy and who dreams big you know what i mean like he'll take some sketch that's working and he'll be like this needs a crazier ending couldn't it happen that everything moves in slow-mo all, all of a sudden and like and you're like jesus i never would have thought of that that's such a good idea to have uh, like this epic switch in the middle of the so one time he was like yeah this needs a song in it so i was like okay and he's right he was totally right and that sketch got a thousand times funnier yeah uh, so you, you mentioned how it, it's great but not good as not as great as it can be yeah. so the idea of this quartet getting booked for shows but not knowing how many people do you have enough material that's like just the two just two people just three people just yeah. four people that you can like yeah it was fun well morgan and i did a montreal sketch fest that was just two of us anyways we did that as best of friends yeah you still use the, title. the term, oh yeah, yeah yeah for sure I, I don't care to change the name what's the difference <laughs> who cares um that was another thing too is that i didn't not that i didn't enjoy working with other people doing sketch but i just didn't want to like it's a lot of work you know what i mean like i don't want to um because i was also doing stand-up and improv and stuff i didn't want to have like eight sketch troops in toronto yeah. and being like and then dissipating my efforts sort of in 2019 i did get to do something with the wow i was just about to ask about yeah. this because that's that, i think that's how i first knew who you were was oh, the wow really? like because the wow came down to philadelphia right I for 2019 and yeah. i think you might have been the one or the two that there were like two or three that couldn't come down yeah so all right so let's talk about wow yeah wow. man i love the wow as you can imagine um because and this is there's so many parts of being a sketch comedian right writing performing and editing and then all the fucking booking and all the cooperation of responding to emails and being on top of that all this kind of stuff and and 
talking to the stage manager and then booking this thing, sending all these emails to the theater and, and then promoting it. And then who's going to set up the posters and all this kind of, and like investor friends, I kind of had to do all that other stuff. And because otherwise the show just wasn't going to happen. Okay. And I was happy to do it to an extent, but then there was other things that I really kind of wanted to do with Vesta friends, but I just knew that those guys wouldn't do it. Like do a fringe festival and stuff. You know what I mean? That's like, producing like this monthly show at our at the place in toronto the comedy bar you know that like kicked the shit out of me (laughs) and but i knew that i kind of had to do it or else we wouldn't do anything yeah and then i but the next step in my head was kind of a a fringe festival would have been really fun but i just needed more cooperation and i wasn't gonna get it but a, a, a group like the wow um the all i had to do for the wow was show up write sketch and edit it and perform it and then promote it. And, you know, the, the steps that I was happy doing. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I was going to ask, like, the difference between you had written with this group of, of four guys and best of friends for so mm-hmm. long. And then that complete change of working with another group of people. Like, mm-hmm. does your writing change? Like, like all right, you have four guys. Yeah. You have four white dudes and yeah. <laughs> yeah. invest the friends. Yeah. There's more possibilities. There's different possibilities with the wow. Yeah. Now like, to, the, to the wow's discredit, it was also a hundred white guys, <laughs> whatever that but, turned out to be. Wait, yeah. <laughs> when I um, said four white guys, I mean, it was like, I don't think the wow had any diversity <laughs> either. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, Let's not but, forget. But there was more females and, and women involved. 100%, yeah. Like, so you and, no longer had to write the sketch where one of you's in drag sure right right like, which we were oh you actually have a person like yeah we'd certainly in in um best of friends we never actually had like the female character was barely a female yeah. i guess so there's there's certainly nothing whatever gender stereotype feminine about this person whatever it was just me with a wig on um but uh yeah you're right that that kind of change in terms of being able to have more characters on stage now you can have sketches that have like eight people in them that was kind of cool that was a big shift um another thing though and this is i hope this isn't bad to say um the wow was kind of a weird source where i could try a bunch of rejected best of friends sketches (laughs) but the thing and and it was kind of cool that it was like oh this wasn't necessarily that the sketch wasn't funny it just didn't wasn't really a best of frenzy sketch or it didn't have a doesn't work for these people but these people totally it, like, it makes it way more sense them. with this collective like yeah. or maybe it was a sketch that always made sense to just have a lot more people it's like a classroom sketch and there's only two people in the classroom it doesn't look right or whatever maybe we can have a bunch of people yeah but then some, and so it happened and it felt good about it. like 80 percent of the time the sketch got rejected by by best of friends but it went really well when we did get to do it on stage anyways right. um with the wow and that felt great and then there was like a couple of sketches that were rejected by best friends and rightly so because they didn't work <laughs> with the wow anyway but that was a thing that's what i wanted to learn right i'm like I, wh- why is this bad i'm trying to figure out why crowds hate this premise <laughs> i don't know i did a sketch with your thing and oh, I'd, I'd love to mention this before we stop talking i don't know how much time we have left i want to extend my thank you to sketch uh and the the zoom philadelphia sketch because that was basically i had another thing i guess but i I got to do it 22 times in preparation is that what you were counting earlier yeah how many times i got (laughs) to do sketch better and it fucking saved my life man it's something to write 
And I did it. There was a sketch that we did with Vesper Friends that fucking ate a donger, and it did great in Sketch Invader. And I was like, "What is going on?" <laughs> Maybe that um, wasn't the right audience at that point, or whatever it was. Like, yeah, it's possible too that I punched up a couple of things or whatever to like, you know, it, it doesn't take a lot sometimes to to go. Oh, wait a second. Oh, now this is great. <laughs> no, just every, every once in a while, there's a sketch where like one different joke. Yeah, or like it's a, a completely trim. different. Yeah, like. Oh, trimming, definitely. Yeah, like, just cutting one little thing. There was a there was a sketch that at first we were like, what the hell is going on that Evan wrote? And then and now it's like one of our favorite sketches it's called Microman, where a guy, they're like in a meeting. And the guy's like, I'm going to send you down there, Josh, to kind of micromanage their thing. And a guy, and the guy comes in, and he's like, did somebody say Microman? And he keeps hearing Microman. And the first draft of it just didn't make me laugh. I don't know. And then there was like a cut. We like literally trimmed two unnecessary lines or something and then this got so much funnier all of a sudden page one got great and then from there everything oh it was another evan sketch of being able to pile a thousand jokes onto it but the original premise didn't make me laugh for some weird reason and then damn i don't know some trim worked because i remember like you know all one of the sketchy beaters you know a few months ago i had asked you i was like is this all stuff from your trunk and you're like no i'm writing oh yeah this is all, this is all mostly new stuff and i was just like glaring at you because i'm not doing that like right. i'm pulling stuff out of the trunk that people haven't seen in five years like sure. uh i was like there was wow, thing, like, yeah that i do remember that sketch called we need to talk and it did well <laughs> on your thing and i don't know why there was a bunch yeah hold on let's start at um i got my calendar here <laughs> we, we started july of 2020 i guess the first one would have been you yeah you were you probably missed like the first two yeah, I, I think I started in like May of 2020. Okay, July 10th, 2020 is the first one I did, and we did, and I wrote a sketch. Oh, I can't. It doesn't say what sketch I pitched here. Firing jargon. What is that about? Oh, I haven't done that yet. A bunch of these are <laughs> things that I wrote during the pandemic that I just never got to do, and I hope to pitch one day to uh, to Vesta friends and do. I don't know where we would ever do it. Here's the here's the one that sucked. January 8th what year is this um of 2021 we need to talk this sketch is like i pulled that out from an old best of friends trunk and it fucking bombed in real life and it did great there <laughs> i don't know well that okay so that's another thing that we can talk about because like another thing that we mentioned on a sketchy is like you have a full list of like everything you've ever done <laughs> yes in life like of like any show, any like sketchy beta, which I I kind of have, but I definitely have, don't do as much as you do. Mm-hmm. The sketchy um, beaters are a little weird because I didn't write them all down. I have I, it just says in my calendar, do sketchy beta 10 p.m. or whatever. But you even like, I mean, you have kept notes of like every sketch show and. Well, some of them don't have any notes under it. It just says do sketch. But you've done but, it. Like, that's but, crazy. But be- like, it's so friends, wild. Kept, yeah, Best of Friends, I got every Best of Friends show that we ever did. And oftentimes notes next to it being like, we were too high for this. <laughs> 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 or like, did this, felt great. Did this, bombed horribly. Did this, Reed forgot his lines. <laughs> what, I don't know, like, whatever nonsense. Made eight bucks. Loved it. <laughs> God drank 200 bucks. <laughs> we, I, I like keeping track of all that kind of stuff because then you know what this town has seen or whatever. You know, you go 
if I, you know, you go to Columbus, we used to do the Columbus brouhaha and it was fun to keep track of like, what did we do last year? So yeah. you just check this one spreadsheet that's got it in there. And you're like, Oh, great. Okay. It, it's a very odd thing. Like, cause it's something I think about when I see, um, the same sketch over and over again, like yeah. in Philadelphia, like if, if one team's doing like five or six shows in a year, yeah. you know they're going to do one of those sketches in every one of those shows. Like, yeah. and I understand it, like different audiences all the time, but for the same, for the person that has come to all your shows, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. there is a part of me, I'm like, all right, dude, <sighs> come on. like, I understand yeah. that lady over there hasn't seen this, but I've seen it six times and I'm yeah. more important at that point. Like, Or it'd be even crazier if it was Philly Sketch Fest, the biggest fucking show of the year in this town or whatever. And then next year they do exactly the same 30 minutes. You know what I mean? You're like, okay, that's weird. <laughs> Which, which I will I will say right now, if you are submitting for a festival, yeah, if you sent in a video that didn't get you in last year, yeah, do not send the same video the following year. Yep, I know it won't get you in again. Yeah. <laughs> like, I um, know. I feel bad. <laughs> uh, that has happened. That was, man, we did that at Toronto Sketch for like eight years. Like we were in the community anyway. Right. Yeah. If, if you're going to, if you're selling yourself to a, a, a stranger. It was very fun to have this video of us at the Rivoli back in 2011 or something. Like Morgan's like 20 years old in this video. He keeps submitting it every year. It was so fun. Um, okay. So it's tough to film a sketch show than have it look oh, good. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like submission tapes are bad. Uh, I, so with, you're doing more stand-up now than Yeah, sketch. now that things have opened up, it was actually, like, illegal to do um, any sketch or improv because you couldn't have... Well, first of all, a lot, a lot of things were, like, outside, and yeah. um, so there's no tech or anything, which, which Morgan doesn't really care about, usually. So, again, this is what was kind of neat in that year of 2018 when it was just Morgan and I, you, we were able to do more um, stand-up stages they didn't seem to care if it was only two of you when it's three of you there's like oh there's no backstage and there's fucking people everywhere and whatever it's like it's cluttery and but with two people sometimes a show will have two microphones so we're both mic'd anyways you know what i mean so that was great um, and historically stand-up there's there is a history of stand-up duos you know yeah. like that being a thing doing you know five or six people at the same time on a stand-up stage might be a little weirder but a duo right. act perfectly works like yeah. And so stand-up shows didn't really mind. So Morgan and I did a bunch of stand-up shows in 2018, I think, which is how we started doing the Vesta Friends podcast was that some guy from some network saw us do sketch and was like, oh, would you guys like to do a sketch podcast, um, sketch comedy podcast or whatever on Never Sleeps Network? And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. I don't know. But he saw us just as a duo. How long did that last? The Vesta Friends podcast? Yeah. It's 100 episodes, baby. You can find that on Is iTunes it still going? Or... No, no, no. We okay. stopped after 100. But there's 100 episodes. A, a clean 100. Nice. And what's that? A flat Earth or whatever? The Philly Troop. Yeah. Yeah, they're on it. Episode oh, whatever. And they're Oh, that episode's great. They, we talk about um, um, what, like, I think that we do a segment called Philadelphia. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's the best, like, burger. What's the best burger in Philadelphia? Whatever. Everybody right. had opinions. Everyone's arguing. It's fun. It's really fun to hear everybody. It's great. Yeah, that crew is awesome. I, I have to go dig, dig that up because I, I need more sketch comedy podcasts. Like, oh, buddy, it's so goofy. It, it it's almost like this sort of in the sense that it starts. There's like three sketches throughout it, mm -hmm. and then goofy segments. And we always ask uh, our our favorite segment, "What's your dumbest sketch?" And then people, yeah, people's stories are amazing. <laughs> I love it, man. It's so fun. 
uh, the yeah, question I, for 100 episodes between i guess 2017 and 2019 wow okay um the question i was thinking about when i, I thought that I, I blanked for a little bit how do you decide an idea goes for sketch or stand up like wow I don't know. It seems it's probably how dialogue it is as an idea mm. um, rather than something I can just do. Ah, that's a great question. Yeah. Or, or, or like fantastical or something that didn't actually happen. You know what I mean? Like some idea. I, I just wrote some sketch about a guy. Um, he takes his kid fishing and uh and he's like divorced dad he only gets his kid once every two weeks or whatever and the kid gets a oh look at this dad a trout and he's like good job son look at what i got a thumb okay never mind uh, and it's like he just keeps <laughs> pulling up like body parts and stuff and so that's not first of all that's not real <laughs> that's yeah. nothing to do with me or whatever you know what I mean? um so it's not something i desperately kind of need to talk about on a stand-up and a microphone to bare my soul and talk about this um but it's an idea that made me laugh and i can kind of see that duo and that dynamic do you think that there's a difference in your voice uh in your comedic voice or point of view when it comes to stand-up versus sketch yeah it's a good point like yeah my stand-up all it has a point <laughs> like i'm trying to be like you know, a lot of my stand-up is about me being happy or whatever. And hey, come on, guys, throw on a smile. Life isn't so bad. I'm I'm poor, <laughs> but that's fine or whatever. You know what I mean? But my sketch doesn't really have that. Sometimes a lot of sketch, um, particularly at the beginning, was kind of like autobiographical. About I remember we wrote this sketch about um, about uh, grade. Oh, I guess yeah, the ninth grade of going into a new school or whatever. And and um, I, I can't remember what the original idea was, but I remember talking to Evan. And it, it shaped sort of into more, Evan and I were laughing about when we were in the eighth grade, people would come over like guidance counselors, I guess, and talk to you about, oh, you don't know high school. Okay, brace yourself for how crazy this is going to be. And it was always like in way more intense than it ever needed to be. And so that made us laugh. And then I wrote this thing about, yeah, a guy doing a presentation about you kids in school next year, which is, so that was kind of based on an autobiographical opinion. Yeah of those guys are dumb <laughs> but that's about it yeah everything else that we're joking about about you know getting a guy a gag gift and it's a bunch of bees like that's not real <laughs> these are <laughs> um a guy wearing a top hat on a date that's exceptionally large like that doesn't that's not a real date that we've ever been on <laughs> sure someone somewhere has like yeah one thing actually this is i was kind of interesting that this has come up recently um one thing at the time you know i i don't know i'm not the the best i gotta deal with deal with this as a boyfriend man i got the fucking jealous i'm, I'm the jealous type which is like, there's way more so in like 10 years ago and so yeah, it was kind of a nice avenue and uh to write uh, a nice um what am i trying to think of outlets yeah yeah to write I mean, we wrote this like um aa meeting style thing called jealous boyfriends anonymous and these guys are all trying to talk and they about like oh their mantra is like my penis is bigger than her ex-boyfriends right fellas right like you know what i mean they're like trying to help each other so that was like an autobiography that was legitimately like a problem that i turned into laughter <laughs> you said we There's, wrote did you write that I, with... I, I would write the first draft of it and then people pile on their ideas okay. and stuff. but that was my original premise that was rooted in me as a guy yeah yeah i was just wondering if like that was something that you had written with with your partner like no that'd be awesome though <laughs> that would be a very healthy thing to do to laugh about yeah i think 
Yeah, instead of getting therapy, let's, let's yeah, that is let's write a sketch about it. That is really therapeutic. You're totally <laughs> right. Um, I ask whenever I talk to the Canadians, I always ask, is there something in Canadian pop culture that you would recommend a, an American to hunt down? To hunt Whether down? To like you know, like a TV show or like a band oh. or something that you would specifically like say, go find this. Well, I, like Baroness obviously went over the border. Yes. Um, Oh, it was hard to totally. find for a while, but it did, yeah. Yeah, very nice. I go, well, our buddies, Tall Boys, uh, do you know Tall Boys to Men? These, uh, yeah. yeah, Tall Boys had three seasons of a show that um, that was super entertaining to watch. I feel like there's another thing. Shit. Uh-oh. <laughs> I feel like there's one other thing that is so fucking entertaining. Oh, my God. Yeah, what am I talking about? Dad Drives. Have you ever seen Mark Little's Dad Drives uh, right. thing? You're the, this, this is the first time that someone has said something to me i have no clue what this is oh really okay yeah everyone else is like shit's creek you know yeah yeah, like, yeah yeah i don't even know if you could find all of it on on dad YouTube. drive dad drives is the funniest fucking thing in the world i love it so much it is um <laughs> it's well you know mark you know mark little right not and no. dan burn i don't mm-hmm. know these canadian guys are so damn entertaining um it was all shot on like a gopro and it's all improvised but it's like Mark plays Dan Burns father and he and I guess he doesn't like let him use the car so it's his dad driving him to like the library and driving okay. oh we got to pick something up on the way home I'm, I'm picking up a karaoke machine you got to come with me and it's like it's so entertaining I know six episodes are on uh YouTube and I think the other four I saw Dan Burns at a party and I was like you gotta find where's the rest of these and he gave them to me on a USB stick <laughs> I could maybe transfer them through WeTransfer or whatever that's called. I don't, it's so it funny. Yeah. I'm I love intrigued. It. Yeah, that's Canadian. Yeah, I don't know. I love that thing. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's something else <laughs> I'm missing, oh, uh, but I love Dad Drives. Do not take Mark's forgetfulness as like the sign that he doesn't approve of. Your yeah, work. that he doesn't respect <laughs> the Canadian comedy <laughs> scene. Um all right, so as we're wrapping up, ooh, ooh, anything John Blair does too. Uh, John, John Blair. Blair's his sketches are insane. Great. Yeah, insane, absolutely. Yeah. fantastic. Sorry to totally interrupt. Okay, as we're wrapping up, as we're wrapping up, uh, two questions I always ask. Okay, uh, you you mentioned about learning the idea that you want to learn why something doesn't work. Yeah, and, you know, being totally reflective of the the work you had just done. You know, like, um, what is something that you would tell a new writer like what's something that you've learned from comedy that you would impart on a new writer to like as advice um i guess think about and this is like an, as a work in stand-up too of like all right you're looking at the page identify where on earth you think the crowd would legitimately laugh <laughs> okay. because then you have to pause you know what i mean like you're gonna do blah 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 and you'll notice like I don't know. When I first started out in the stand-up, for sure, it was like, I don't know, isn't this all kind of funny and rolling laughter? It's like, no, actually, they you have to look at the piece of paper and identify like that is funny. The whole room will laugh when I stop at that period in that sentence. Yeah. Boom. So I would think of it that way. That's my advice to a new writer. So look at your script and be like, where the hell is anybody gonna laugh at this? And it's not bad if the answer is nowhere. It just means you gotta change that. If you don't think anyone's going to laugh at it, then why would you ever share it with anybody? (laughs) Yeah, it's so interesting. At the same time, like, I've written things and performed things where where I think A is the joke. Yeah. But for whatever reason, that next line B is where the laugh comes. Yeah, that's interesting. And I that's completely (laughs) unexpected to me. And I don't 
get it like yeah it's, <laughs> it's so wild sometimes like how different audiences will react to what you think is funny versus what you what 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 you actually might think is a setup to the next thing actually might be the, the last yeah the funny part yeah that happens a lot in santa but well, one reason why sometimes that, that happens however is because they are laughing at the awkwardness of the failure of line a <laughs> you know what i mean there's a guy there's a new guy in toronto who this is happening to every now and again and i think he's coming off stage going that's a great joke yeah every time i do that it gets a laugh and i'm like yeah but it's getting like i know they, they talk about how lauren michaels is like it got a laugh but it did, did it get the right laugh the right laugh yeah <laughs> yeah i'm like that's probably an example of a bad laugh and you're gonna do that line in front of a bunch of 55 year old minors and they're gonna hate it (laughs) because they don't get your irony of whatever (laughs) like they're gonna be like this is just bad now (laughs) and and finally a little deeper uh because you you, i mean you mentioned going to school being an engineer yeah working as an engineer to save up money to go to a college that has a comedy program Mm -hmm. why comedy why has comedy been such the integral like the integral force of your life that's such a hilarious question. I don't know. That's so overwhelming of a question. That's such a big umbrella. I um, a couple of things that come to mind for right away is literally like the serotonin element of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it feels good to do, and um, it also um, is a good you know avenue and stuff outlet for these therapeutic needs, I guess, or whatever. Um, and also, I guess I'll I'll say this is uh, this one makes the most sense. This is like kind of the only thing I want to do slash can seemingly do functionality wise. Like I, I was able to be an engineer mentally, I guess, or like I was able to academically be an engineer, right. but I can't fucking be in that box 10 hours a day doing pipeline. I don't care about any of this kind of stuff. I was, I wake up at five 30, you get home at 6 PM from five 30 AM to 6 PM. I, it was all engineering. That whole window as I get ready for work and go to work, whatever. And then from 6 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. is actually my time now. And that's a horrific way to live (laughs) where, I don't know, (laughs) whatever I just listed there, 12 hours a day or 13 and a half hours a day are that's hours you hate (laughs) that are like miserable. So I also really like skateboarding and I really like playing the drums. But I can't do these things 16 hours a day. I can, you know, I, I'm not going to be a professional skateboarder. I don't care about the stretches that I got to do and the creativity and the competitive element of it. And the drums, I can't, I don't know. I can play it for two hours and then my arms get tired. I, I don't want to be here <laughs> any more than this. And I, I'm making demo tapes, I'm sure, and auditioning to be part of this band or hunting gigs or whatever. Comedy, on the other hand, I love it all, man. I love all the work that comes with it and it's dynamic and it changes and it's hard. Like it's, it's hard on every fucking level. I don't know. You'd be doing it forever and you still don't really get, and it changes according to the crowd and according to you, a joke I told 15 years ago about being unshaven and virgin in it, <laughs> like a virginity wise or whatever. doesn't make any fucking sense now or whatever, you know? Um, my the old ex-wife or whatever that I can't say that now I don't know I love it I love how it all changes and um damn man so that answers that I hope comedy is just what I what makes sense the most and what I want to do the most I forget who it was I I was listening to another interview there's a part of me that wants to say it was Jeff Foxworthy on WTF but I don't know that's true like where he where whoever it was I'm not going to give Jeff Foxworthy the crowd there but like (laughs) 
whoever it was said that comedy is the only thing that gets harder the more you do it. Oh, okay. What a cool perspective. What and, do you uh, mean by that? Yeah. Like, I, I think they're talking about like, even no matter how famous you are as a stand-up, mm. you might get like five minutes of like leeway time of your fame. Yeah. But then you still have to deliver. Yeah, for sure. Like you still have to make them laugh. Like, yeah. They talk about that in the documentary comedian. Yeah. Like he's like, well, I can't, apparently somebody asked Jerry Simon, he's like, Oh, it must be so easy now that you're famous or people know who you are. And Colin Quinn goes, you might get like a break off the top where it's like yeah. two minutes of like, Oh, Simon, we love you. But then, and then, like, you have all the rest of your material from the past, yeah, to, to stand up to, like, yeah, it's got to be better than all that, yeah, like, <laughs> and there's no way in hell it's going to be. I just wrote this on the bus. What are you talking about? There's no way it's <laughs> going to be that good. <laughs> so now, I mean, granted, none of us are going to be Jerry Seinfeld level, sure, but the challenges continue, yeah, as a comedy writer, like it's, but they're <laughs> such fun challenges, <laughs> yeah, kind of, and. You know, I, I kind of wonder if I'm 65 years old and like, could I maintain the intention of this bar <laughs> as yeah. a 65 year old who's been doing stand up at that point for whatever, 45 years? Um, I, I'd love to be that good to be able to just walk into any room and be like, oh, I know exactly what these people want. Yeah, that would be really cool. I see, you know, you witness people that it looks like people can do that. And you're like, that's not entirely true because, you know, they bomb every now and again. And it must be horrific. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine like what it feels like to be Seinfeld or Chris Rock or like just completely bombing. Like, yeah, I don't know <laughs> what that experience is like to be two of the richest <laughs> comedians ever, right. but still yeah. suck at, for a moment. Totally, and and it, it must be like new material kind of thing. You have no idea if this is funny or not. Yeah, it's. George Carlin said that after like 50 years, his his ratio was 50-50. <laughs> when he when he tried something new, it, he, uh, there was like, and he was so confident it was gonna work, there would be a 50% chance it wouldn't. That's which is insane. That, yeah. <laughs> that so he had been in professional <laughs> entertainment for like 49 years. <laughs> All right. But I, I think that's great. That's never gonna get hard, or it's never gonna get um, it's never gonna be done. Yeah, Lauren Michaels talks about that too. He's like, we've never had a perfect SNL episode. Yeah, we don't go on because it's ready. We go on because yeah. it's eleven thirty. And then, and then every week he's like, oh, I bet you next week we could fix that, or there's going to be a new set of challenges, and he's going to whatever. And that's the other thing. Someone else said like another thing that that someone said that really like stuck out to me. It was like SNL's not trying to make a bad show. Like you might not like it, but they are <laughs> doing the best show they can. Yeah, that week. Yeah, with the with circumstances the that they have the that news. week. Yeah. yeah, whoever's hosting, like you yeah. know, it's still gonna be the best thing they can do. Yeah, I week. wonder. I wonder if that ever happens where it's like um, the the news week is great, but the host is gonna be terrible. And like throughout the week, you're like, oh man, if we had any fucking good talent hosting the show, look at all the juice this week, man. We had such a great. <laughs> Why isn't John Ham here this week? Why? Yeah, isn't... you know what I mean. <laughs> John Ham, whoever other. <laughs> guys that they've re relied on the last 15 years right right anyways good shit buddy good talk <laughs> all right thanks mark <laughs> of course thank you man mark hallworth is a stand-up in toronto and you'll find him on stages most nights all around toronto 
His sketch group, Vest of Friends, is heading to Montreal Sketch Fest on Thursday, May 12th at 8 p.m., along with Emery Fine and Yes Chef. You can like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash Friends, but they really haven't updated it in a while. The next Sketchy Bader will be Friday, April 29th at 10 p.m. on Zoom. Check out sketchybader.com for more on that. My first sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketch Fest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band of Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.